Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Now, here's your host for the Everything Building Envelope podcast, Paul Beers. Welcome, everyone, to our Everything Building Envelope podcast. I'm Chris Matthews, VP and Principal Consultant for GCI Consultants, and I'm your host today. I'm excited today to have as my guest, J.B. Snyder, who is a Senior Technical Representative for Tremco Sealants. Welcome, J.B. Good morning. Great to have you here. J.B. and I have worked together on a lot of different technical projects through the years, as have a lot of our consultants here at GCI. And I think we'll have a lot of interesting topics that we can discuss today. So, JB, since this is your first time as our guest, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do at Tremco? All right. I'm Jeff Snyder, or a lot of people in the industry know Jeff Snyder Jr. Uh, A lot of people know me as JB. Started in this industry in 2001, which dates me a little bit, but I'm I'm kind of a second-generation waterproofing guy. My father started... Uh, a couple years before I was born, I'm 42 now, and, and he started back in the 70s doing um, what I started as my, my first job, being an uh, estimator and, and project manager and, and working for a local local waterproofing applicator here in Florida, Metro Caulk and Waterproofing. So I started with him as an estimator and project manager in 2001. As I said, I worked there for about, I think it was about 10, 11 years working on a lot of projects in the field with GCI team and, and some of your, your former team members where I spent quite a bit of time in meetings and, and on the phone with some of your guys talking about the projects as an applicator. And then in 2012, I changed teams and, and, and shirts and became a technical rep for Tremco. Tremco brought me on as a field technical rep. And then a couple couple years ago, I got, I guess you call it promoted in title so much to to a senior technical rep for all of Florida. So I work on uh, everything building envelope, like like the podcast basically for, for Tremco products for, for all of Florida. The Florida team consists of a, a number of people kind of in different parts of the state. We have a couple technical reps in the state and I'm, I would, I guess my title is senior technical rep of the entire state for all, everything building envelope. So sealants, basements, Patio decks, closet decks, every everything around the building is is Tremco's focus and my focus and dealing with discussions like this with you. And what we like at GCI is, you know, we deal with different manufacturers in the industry and, and what we like about dealing with JB and Tremco is just as he described, that he's got a real background in the industry. You know, some technical reps are really just salespeople, but JB's done it for a long time and it really helps the project, the issues that we're dealing with to have somebody from the manufacturer who really understands the products, the applications and how to make it all go together out in the field and make it work. So great to have you here today. Let's talk about what's happening in our industry right now. I guess the first thing that we probably need to check off um, because everybody's thinking about it and dealing with it is what you're seeing as far as the industry and how it's dealing with the COVID situation and, and specifically how Tremco is dealing with it. Well, you know, 
that's obviously the conversation that we're having quite a bit, right? The the Rolodex of, of people that we're hearing and, and being in what they're now calling the epicenter in South Florida at this point is huge conversation point with just about everybody I talked to today, today and yesterday and every day right now. I think there's a few things that are the normal talking points, which is the effect on COVID, you know, having a slowdown was, was pretty much inevitable. We've had a great run for a long, long time and seeing a little bit of a slowdown, whether it be the permit offices being restricted with allowing permits to come out and slowing some of the progress of our projects or just the idea that overall, in general, you're going to have a slowdown in business when something like this affects the, the economic interest of the country. But we, we saw a slowdown with or without happening. The the main issue that I think on the day-to-day how that's affecting us is, is the manpower situation, right? Where that was already an issue, trying to get qualified guys in the field to be able to put down our products or, or other people's products or, or get areas ready for our folks to put down the products. And with manpower already being an issue, and then hearing that due the, to the virus and what's happening, that crews are having to stay home or, or quarantine for a little bit because one guy m- might have been tested or exposed, that's become a little bit of a challenge. I talked to one of our applicators, one of our bigger applicators, actually, who's got somewhere around 200 guys in the field, and they had 35 guys at, at one point that were not, not just sick but had been exposed to some of the folks. And to take 35 guys out of the field when, when you're running – uh, a crew of 200, that's a pretty big sting, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing the effects, not just, hey, you know, p- people getting sick and, and what's happening, but we're seeing the effects of the idea of, man, th- these guys are already struggling to find people to, to do the work. Now they're having to keep a good portion of their crews at home for a prolonged period of time and, and not being able to do what they need to do. From a Tremco standpoint, right, I, I think the, the frequency of the in-person meetings right? We're, we're losing that. We're, we're doing a hell. I, I know you guys are in the same position. You're, we're doing a, a heck of a lot more of these conference call type things where we're able to utilize technologies now that everybody has where the Teams or, or Zoom or whatever it is. We're doing a lot more of that. And I think we're getting better at it. But the truth is that face-to-face and sitting down and, and looking at layout of a project or where it is and, and being able to hammer that out, is lost in the sense that we're just, you know, less people are comfortable with it, obviously. We're, we're, it's more appropriate to go over teams. And in a way, start of it in, in April and in March and April and what was happening, I think there was a layer of, let's just say, getting used to it. Everybody had to get used to doing that a little bit more. And so I see it, it getting better, but, but the loss of the infrequent or the, the loss of the frequency of those in-person meetings, I think in a way is it's kind of, I don't know, you can't quite get there and see and touch and feel everything and then have a full understanding right away of what we're looking at when we're trying to, whether it's design something from the front end or or maybe pick apart something that wasn't quite done right on the back end, right? Losing that, I think, will cause an issue in the sense that the the, the value of having those experts there to to go over that, whether it be you and our team or everybody together is lost. And and I'm hoping that, you know, the sooner the better we can get back to some of the normalcy in that sense, you know, that, that, that value, that value of seeing these types of things in person, you can't quantify it when it comes to walking by and seeing something that is messed up when we're going to look at something else. 
and how that might affect it. But if I'm just looking at the screen and somebody's dragging a cursor and look at this and let's go to this page, you, you lose that. You know, you lose that, I believe. So Yeah, I agree with you. That I mean it's better than nothing for sure. And we we would certainly be completely shut down if we didn't have that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you put a percentage on it or, or what, but I'm with you. It's it's maybe 80% as good as getting everybody together and being, you know, if you're on the site, you can go out and look at the problem and everybody's looking at the same thing at the same time. You can get it done, you know, remotely like we have to do right now. But I'm with you. I think we're losing a little something there. I mean, it'll be good when we can get back to... Uh, you know, a hundred percent effectiveness, I guess. I'm, I'm um, glad we're in the day and age we're in now because I mentioned starting in 2001 when, when we would fax stuff. Right. And I can't imagine us faxing oh, yeah. markups back and forth right now of, Hey, what right. do you think of this? Hold on, you know, and I'll, I'll fax here or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad the technology exists to be able to do it instantaneously. And I'm glad we're kind of getting caught up to speed on it with a number of people figuring out what to click on and how to click and share screens and back and forth and creating, you know, create our industry is, you know, I, I know in a way I feel like we've lacked in technology over the years. It's getting a lot better with Procore. It's getting a lot better with these Zoom meetings and Teams meetings. And I think maybe it just took this to get us to jump up faster. And then now that we're equalizing in the sense that everybody knows how to do it and what to do and, and the etiquette on how to do it, it's going to make us better, but it's not going to replace, you know, what we can do in the field. Exactly. Never, you know. It makes us a better technologically. We've got an opportunity, hopefully in the future, you know, you've got a kind of a mix and you see, well, for this situation, we don't really need to get everybody together. There's obviously efficiency. It's easier to schedule everything else. If it is something we can, you know, use the technology for, but then when we do all need to be there in one room or on one site or whatever, uh, we need to get back to being able to do that as well. So, you know, when you're out there on those sites, you know, what are you seeing right now? What are some issues? Like you, we get involved in new projects, you know, trying to avoid problems. And then lots of our work is going out there and trying to solve problems, whether it be product problems, application problems, just, you know, age and deterioration, whatever it may be. What are some things you, you see in your end of things happening over and over? All I see is sunshine and rainbows every day. Right? <laughs> That's how it goes, right? Nobody right. ever does anything wrong, but truthfully, there, there's always going to be consistency in the problems that we see. There's, there's outliers that make our jobs, I think, more, uh, more fun. Right. Because if you kept seeing these same dumb things all the time, it just becomes a, you know, a, a stamp kind of, OK, this is what we do. This is what we do. So it's it's cool to have the new problems. But the stuff that we see all the time that that bogs us down and kind of drags a little bit of the life out of you. Man, why didn't we talk about this? I, I, it, those are going to be consistent, I think, forever because they, they are consistent problems. For, for me, it's going to be. Traditionally, you're going to see connections. That's where I see the problems, where one unique thing may come into a standard thing or two standard things come together and we see a problem. I know that pool connections on pool decks will always be a challenge because right. it seems that every single time there's a little nuanced difference to a pool, they're not consistent and they always do something that's typically worse in the design than better when it comes for our waterproofing purposes. 
I know that the best jobs that we had back in the day were the ones where they created a big pool shell that we were able to waterproof. And then when that pool did whatever it was going to do, we had waterproofing in that pool shell. So you hope that we had learned and we see a lot more of those now where we got a big pool shell and we can waterproof into that shell, which is fantastic. So in, in a way, that connection issue has somewhat gone away. We don't see it on every job, but we're seeing a lot more. But but what we see now more often that's become a challenge for that, just dialing down on connections at pools, what now I'm seeing is, okay, well, we're going to have a pool gutter that wraps around it, or we're going to have a stainless steel pool that tries to tie in, or, or this one's got a PVC liner that you have to figure out how to detail up, up against. And, and that connection has just been a challenge for us in the sense that, you know, we, we can waterproof the deck, we can put waterproof the shell or, and figure out how to do that. But connecting to a pool has been a challenge for us in the sense of, can, can we add a curve? Can we do this? Or how is that going to work? And the metal pool shows up and it's too small. So now what do we do? Because the opening's yay big and the, the pool's this big. And what are we going to do to, you know, it's your responsibility to go from that to this type of thing. Pool connections have been a challenge for me most recently, including this morning. I had a, a conversation on, on that this morning but before we started this. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Drains, drains is the other thing, right? We, we can design every waterproofing system to be the best it's going to be. But if we don't have proper drainage, whether it be, you know, a lack of slope seems to be a big part, obviously, with the way we build in Florida. But the drain locations or drain existence or types of drains has been a problem for my near near 20 years in this business. And, and that just seems to continue. I know that there's a project we're working on right now in Florida with your team where there's I don't want to exaggerate, so I'd say somewhere around 25,000 square feet of, of hot applied waterproofing in this area. And with that amount of square footage, you'd think there'd be, I don't know, a, a drain every 2,000 feet, or I'm, I'm not a drain engineer, plumbing engineer, whatever you want to call it. But I'd say there'd need to be a, a significant number of drains. In this project, 25, 20 to 25,000 square feet of, of waterproofing, we have two drains. Oh. Two drains on the entire deck. And those two drains, were those were the only two drains. It's an open area, somewhat partially open area. And water is going to have to find its way, you know, 100 feet across and around and down elevators, the whole thing, uh, or uh, shear walls, et cetera, to try and make it into this, you know, one of these two drains that just so happen to be right near each other, right? They're, they're probably 10 feet away from each other in the center with 20,000 square feet surrounding them. That's a problem, right? Now, yeah. hopefully we don't have a bunch of issues, but not having enough drains or not having the right type of drain, all that stuff, you can put the best waterproof in there. You, you can, right? We have hot applied. We know that can sit underwater. But how does that affect everything else is my question. You know, how does that affect the overburden or the pavers or the efflorescence issues or, or just the headache of that drain getting, you know, filled up the wrong way or clogged or whatever. And now we have, you know, water building up and going where it's not supposed to go. If, if we have a significant number of drains, then we eliminate that. But that's not something we really get to talk to being waterproofing guys, right? And I don't know how much that you get into it from from GCI standpoint of what, how can we fix this problem, right? Or I don't know that you're really analyzing how many drains there are. I, I had a conversation today and there's a planner and there is no drain. There's no drain in the planter. It's just a box, and and they have no drain. And they say, well, what can we do? And it's like, 
well, add a drain, you know? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Put a drain there, you know? It's, it's one of those types of things that I think will forever be part of our industry. They're kind of similar issues, too. And we kind of try to step back and look at the the big picture. How are you going to make uh, – that? that's kind of our role as a consultant. How are you going to make this all work together? And it's just, as you said, connections. And connection – I mean, you mentioned the pool to deck connection. We probably got five of those right now existing buildings with problems at that very uh, detail that you're describing. It's a little bit different every time, but it didn't get done right on five different jobs that I can think of right now. And and it's connections in everything. And and I know Tremco gets into, you know, you guys are addressing the whole envelope now and it's the same thing in walls. You know, you can have the greatest curtain wall guy in the world, but he knows curtain walls when it gets to how his curtain wall interfaces with, you know, waterproofing or a weather barrier around it or what have you, that's a connection that can get overlooked. And it's not his curtain wall that's going to leak. It's going to be where those two systems come together. And the, and the same is. thing with, yes. and the same thing with the drains, as you mentioned, you know, we're not plumbing experts either, but we try to look at all of that in the beginning because as you said, no matter how good the products are, if you don't have slope, if you don't have drains, if you don't think about where is this water going to be draining and what's it going to look like when this water with uh, asphaltic waterproofing in it runs down the side of these buildings, all these kinds of things, you try to look at the whole picture and put it all together in a way that functions or in the example, the pool decks resolves these problems which uh, ends up, <laughs> I'm sure, as you see a lot, it would have been a lot simpler to put that drain in that planter in the beginning and a lot cheaper than after the fact. Yeah. The, the other thing, and you kind of touched on it, right, is sort of the uncertainty from, I, I'll exclude GCI because you guys are great at it, but some of these folks, their uncertainty and product recommendations, right? There's a lot of people out there that are, quote unquote waterproofing consultants or you know whatever you want to call them, right there's a lot of people out there making recommendations that i think are maybe not the best choice for what we should do where we're doing it right and and i know that that's part of my job right is to educate or be a resource to all these folks we communicate a lot with your team and 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 architects in the industry about hey i got this what can we use because just because you did it on the last job or another job or because uh, another manufacturer rep might have talked to you about it yesterday doesn't mean that it quite fits the thought process for what you're doing here. I had a phone call this morning with an architect who was recommending a pedestrian deck coating system in an interstitial space on a, over a penthouse on a roof deck pool with a metal pool installed in that area. So kind of a a triple decker whopper situation, right? Where we have too mm -hmm. many headaches and the, and the uncertainty from his eyes of, hey, I got, you know, your 351 going in there, but I'm going to have the hot applied up on the top deck. And, and you know, I, it, it might have a little bit of, uh, might have a little condensation in there. I'm like, man, you're not going to have condensation in there. This is going to be a real problem here, right? And he had already kind of half moved forward with this, but was double checking with me, thankfully, that you know, we had the conversation. Otherwise, we would have been in a situation where it's price done, gone, and somebody's doing something that maybe we could have had a better product with a better system in that area. So when we know that pool is going to sweat, we know there's going to be a ton of water in there. We have something like our Puma system in the interstitial space or 
250 or 61, whatever it is, we have a, a longer 20 year, you know, basically permanent waterproofing system going in underneath there so that we're not coming back in 10 years trying to find out what, what's going on or trying to make remedies to a situation. In those cases, metal pool, interstitial area, you know they're never going to be able to come back and, and fix that or recode it or maintain it, right? It's just not going to happen. Nobody's going to come with a crane and lift it up so we can remove some waterproofing and re-waterproof, right? And the the guy's knowledge is great. Hey, you know, Trumpco, but maybe we need to maybe we need to shift you to a product recommendation that's a better fit for what you're trying to do here, right? Below grade walls, we get into that quite a bit where it's, you know, what about this and what about that? Well, we got frangible situation. Man, don't go that route. Go this route. And having some of that, I know that's my job and we're here to tell people, you know, make sure you do this and, you know, provide as many tools of Tremco as you can. But I see that quite regularly, whether it be Tremco's products or other people's products. It's just we, there's so many different goops out there nowadays, right? Like you look back 20 years and there was a lot less product. Nowadays, it's the, the industry is so specialized in boutique. But what's nice about that is you have a number of tools in your tool belt to be able to fix those problems. But what it also lends itself to is, in my opinion, is and the problem I see over and over is, because there's so many options, people aren't really quite sure, and they sort of just pick with what they used in the past, and that might not have been the best fit for that job. So, you know, better communication, I think, helps that. Like I mentioned earlier, we spoke to the architect this morning. He was going one route, but we sort of were able to curb that issue by saying, you know, hey, you're better off going this direction, where that communication breakdown happens, where it's already in place on the drawings and the guy's out there getting started and we go, wait a minute, we probably should be using something a little different here. That's the issue we have. Or we're down the line three, four, five, however many years later, and I get a call from you guys or some other folks that are saying, hey, these guys did this here. And, and like you said, I got a bunch of asphalt bleed out on the side of the building because they decided to use a, a product that has that leaching situation or I got efflorescence all in my pavers because they decided to go with a, a type of waterproofing that doesn't drain well with no drainage mat. We bonded the pavers and now we have problems. Well, maybe we should have used a different product or a different system in that area. Those problems aren't going to go away just because there's not an expert on every corner trying to help, right? And, I, and I'm hoping that through further education and through contracting with somebody like TCI, you're going to say, hey, well, here's your options, but based on what you have, you know, we're, we'd recommend this type of system or that type of application for where where and what we're going to do for the scope area. You follow me? Yep. And that goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning and, and what we appreciate about you and knowledgeable product reps like you is, you know, as you said, there are a great amount of tools out there right now, but a good product rep knows his company's options better than anybody. And we like to get you and people like you involved early on so that we can make those right selections. And it's exactly like you said, um, it's so many architects, it's, it's just, you know, cut and paste, right? Well, we used this on the last job. So I'm just going to say the same thing here again. They may not even know why. And, you know, it might work if they're lucky. And but there could be a lot of better options for sure. I was going to mention one more thing on that because yeah, I think it's ahead. important, right? It's almost like a where we're going type of idea, but the, the architects are walking away from a lot of this stuff. 
in, in a lot of ways, right? They're saying just waterproofing, like, and leaving the liability up to others, right? That displaced liability aspect is, is getting more and more popular in the sense that they're spending less money on paying for these drawings. They're trying, you know, they're, they're utilizing folks like GCI to say, all right, I'm going to say waterproofing, but I want GCI to put together a package that says what this is going to do, trying to move that liability away from them, right? And, and I think, you know, having worse plans and then increased liability onto the consultants and the manufacturers is sort of an interesting part of our world, right? If you if you take your day out and, and put it into a pie slice of, of what you spend your, your time on, getting into the idea of, okay, put the liability on me is an interesting thing to say, right? But you, you mentioned Tremco, that's really what we go towards is let us figure out how to handle that for you. And then we keep both of us out of trouble because you don't make a bad recommendation. And I give you what, what it's meant to. And Tremco does a pretty good job of allowing us to be technical reps rather than sort of that, you mentioned it earlier, but the commission compensated type of guy yeah, that's going right, to right. sort of crowbar in the, well, if, if you do this, then, you know, I get to go to Hawaii next year or whatever, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're sort of, I get paid the same amount whether you use Tremco or not is the truth, right? I got to position Tremco in a winning you know, stance amongst others and promote it and all that. But but the truth is I can say, well, you, you got options, Chris. We we can do this or we can do this. Or what might be best is if we did, the, you know, the first item, but then we go a little bit better over here and then we're we're all protected here. And then we didn't do something stupid, right? Or I know that this might work, but what I see us doing in Florida that, that works a lot better is we use this vapor permeable air barrier versus the, the the peel and stick that not a lot of guys like to use all the time because they just get they have headaches because it's raining or whatever it is right we're we're able to provide the the tool but we're also able to take the liability away from the design professional who doesn't know any better and he goes on the website and says all right here's one that i think works right we're, we're better off giving you taking that liability wrapping it up and putting it in a nice package and sending it in e to an email, right? Hey, here's what we would recommend for this job. And that, that I think is going to help us all build better buildings. That's the end I goal, agree. right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. The end goal. Right. That's the goal to get it done. Right. Exactly. So you're, you're kind of touching on where you guys would like to see things go and what do you see happening? You know, we, we talked about what we're stuck in the middle of right now and some of the problems <laughs> we're seeing right now. What, what are you and, and Tremco seeing for like the next five, 10 years? What's happening down the road from your perspective? I would absolutely be happy to talk about the future because right now is kind of crappy, so to say, yeah. right? So let, let's move it on. That's a great question in the sense that what, what's happening now, I think, is going to keep happening in our industry and from the manufacturer side with consolidation, right? I just spoke on the displaced liability piece, right, where you could, you could take uh, that part away from the architect or the owner and say, give, give it to me and I'll wrap it up. So the, the mergers you've seen from Tremco, where we grabbed a number of RPM companies and, and put them together under the new company Tremco is now Tremco Construction Products Group, right? And that includes your CS&W, the commercial sealants and waterproofing division that you know as, as the, the waterproofing portion, but, but Drive It is now in the same umbrella as me 
uh, Nudura, which is an insulated concrete forms company, will steel expansion joints. We work kind of hand in hand with Euclid Repair Mortar. So basically you have everything building envelopes and, and they're talking about the six sides of the building with, when you add the, the Tremco Roofing Division in as well. Six sides of the building, right? Bottom, four sides and top, you can wrap with Tremco. And I think that's not just Tremco, that's sort of where the competitors are going too, right? When you see the consolidation where you just used to just have one, or if you took the sheet of waterproofing or building envelope, you'd have some of the other manufacturers just would have sort of polka dots in that area or just have, you know, one vertical column, but they don't play here. I see consolidation happening through, throughout the industry because we're all driving towards the better buildings like we just mentioned. And the best way to build these buildings is, is to sort of be able to wrap it all in one package with a tested and warranted system that you and I would be able to provide and an owner should be able to sleep at night, right? I can say, hey, we've done this on a lot of projects. And, and going back to the very beginning of what we talked about, which is the connections, we're able to warrant those connections for you. Or here's a tested warranted application with the detail for how to do it and oh by the way we have a test wall up in cleveland that we've done this and and we can give you the data to show that this is going to work not just tell you well it worked down there at that one job and it seems like nobody's called us we didn't have any problems so let's just do it again right we're, we're taking it from a third party level validated situation and putting it in front of you saying Here, here's the best way to go so consolidation I'm positive that's going to happen down the road, and it's going to get further and further, bigger and better, I would say, for 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 everybody, for all the manufacturers. Just going to add that, you know, we've been, I mean, I think back for years, even on a, a, a real kind of basic level, 15, 20 years ago, we would be on a job where somebody's got three different sealant manufacturers that they're using on the job, all all you know and and maybe all of those different joints are coming together at one location and even way back then we were saying hey uh at least consolidate to one sealant manufacturer so you don't have three different warranties and three different issues here and then we get into the same thing all the time where two or three different products are coming together and we're saying well you've got to get a letter from every one of those manufacturers to address compatibility and are there going to be any other issues where these three different products from three different manufacturers come together? So what a great thing for the, the industry and performance, as you said, making a better building, if that's all covered by one company, one warranty, their products are already all designed to work together and you've actually got a connection detail between it. So it makes our job easier and makes the building better from the start, I think. The warranty piece is interesting from the Tremco standpoint because we would work, we've been working on a building envelope. I know I remember talking to your team at a lunch and learn. Uh, I, I want to say a year and a half, two years ago, on the warranty piece, and I'll give you the fast version of it because I, I think this is I think I, I I was part of this from the beginning, but but uh, Mike Buckholtz, who's our division manager, he's been on the podcast I think maybe a year or plus ago. He he was on a while ago, but he's been instrumental on in getting this to work. Where, where we have a new building envelope warranty in the sense that you can take the existing warranty type system that you've seen in the past, which essentially is, you know, you get that, well, that's just a piece of paper type of excuse a lot of times when you talk about warranties, right? Ah, it's just a piece of paper. I know it says five years or 20 or whatever it is, but that's, you know, whatever. What, what we're trying to do is 
change that, right? Make it more than just a piece of paper, which I think is really cool. So previous warranties, I'm going to simplify it to make it easy for both of us. But if we had maybe a basement waterproofing and a vehicular coating in a garage and some balcony waterproofing, you would get either three separate warranties, maybe from three separate manufacturers, or maybe you get, you know, one, let's say Tremco is doing the waterproofing. And you, what, what essentially would happen was you get three different warranties for each piece of that. Now what we're doing with the new building envelope warranty is just like you said, and I don't know if you meant to say it or not, but you will get one warranty for the entire building. And how it works is literally it, when you'd have three separate warranties, you, you'd essentially have three buckets that would give you the coverage for each area. So had you had, I don't know, a, a couple thousand square feet of vehicular coating in the garage, but maybe a hundred thousand square feet in, on the balconies, if you ever had an issue with this one area, you were restricted to the dollar value just for that vehicular area, right? So 1,000 square feet, 2,000 square feet, you might be restricted to, you know, a couple thousand dollars of coverage. Now, typically, Tremco is always going to kind of cover that anyway, if we ever had an issue, which is rare, but if we ever had an issue, we're going to cover it. But a lot of times, the, the owners didn't like, see, you know, unless it was in writing, it didn't exist. The new warranty, which you said, like one warranty for the whole system, would literally create one big bucket for everything Tremco on the job. So basements, plaza decks, vehicular decks, whatever it is, you're creating an entire job warranty with one warranty that has each item on it and creates one big bank for all that as well. So one, the more Tremco you put on it, the more coverage you have in your big overall view of the project. But two, there's also little caveats about you know, it, we're going to recommend using a, a firm like GCI on the project to prove third-party consultants knowing end result being a better building. If we have third-party oversight, there's really only, you know, a few of us. But if, if you're involved, we're able to give longer warranties. So if it was five years before, we'll be able to give seven years. If you have multiple components of Tremco on the job, well, we'll be able to give longer. If you put two pieces uh, together, we might be able to give connection warranties for those areas with longer terms. Um, there's a lot going on there. Labor included for all the warranties as well. So if there's an issue, we'll pay for the labor and the material where it used to be labor. So I could see that being a big deal for the industry in the sense when Tremco drives something, they've always kind of been in innovators. I can see warranties getting better in, in the next five, 10 years from amongst our crew because warranties have always really been a sales tool, right? And then they kind of lost their speed in the sense that what we would hear when we talk about warranty, ah, that's just a, a sheet of paper. They, they weren't really being utilized as what they could be. So this uh, building envelope system, I'm super excited about it moving forward on multitude of reasons. I, we, we can do two more podcasts just on the warranty program, so I don't want to waste too much time on it. But the key of driving the industry to perform in terms of where their warranty is going to be for the whether it be for an entire project or for portions of the project, I could see that getting to be a bigger talking point in our industry for sure, for sure, um, in terms of building envelopes. And I think as we've been talking about, it ends up being a better building. And that's what it's all about, right? The the party who suffers in all these deals and usually had nothing to do with the problem is the building owner. And as you know, we do a lot of litigation work yeah. on buildings with problems. And, and it always just strikes me as there's a lot of different people out here pointing fingers at each other about why something went wrong. But the one party out here who didn't do anything wrong, for sure, 
is the person who put up the money and built this building, <laughs> whether it's a commercial and, and building, suffers, and, yes, correct, or, and, and, or it could just be a single family homeowner, whatever it may be, you know, we get involved in all different types and sizes of projects with, with building envelope issues. But the one party who almost always had no part of the blame is, is the person, you know, who's got to live with it. And then you've got a, a lot of others out there pointing fingers at each other about why things went wrong. What we're talking about won't, won't solve every one of those problems, but it'll go a long way toward preventing those. Going back to what we talked about before, connections and interfaces and planning about how all these systems come together, even if the architect didn't address what he should have, even if the contractor didn't address what he should have, when you've got one manufacturer providing a lot of these products. And, and you know, you're talking mostly about horizontal applications in, in waterproofing, but it's weather barriers in, in walls, it's sealants, it's how they, it's how those systems interface with the waterproofing at a breezeway or a balcony or whatever. The more of that that can be covered by one firm who's looking at the big picture, uh, I think it's going to eliminate a lot of these issues that we see later on. And then Make the warranty mean something. As you said, everybody views it right now as just a piece of paper. But what will be great is if you don't need it, right? If the building the performs goal. right. And I think that you would hope that that's the goal. I, I know from Tremco's standpoint, it, you know, it's kind of a sales tool still in that, you know, we cover the whole envelope. But also um, the fact that you're looking at the whole envelope, that you've got a vested interest in making sure that not just your stuff works, but the whole envelope works. Maybe that someday comes to a point where people don't have as many problems. And because the warranty means something, they don't ever have to rely on it. I think some of the unintended consequences of having a better warranty system to talk about people with is maybe you start to talk about things that might have fallen through the cracks had we not said, hey, we're talking about a whole building envelope here. So what are we doing here? Or what are we doing there? It helps the focus the discussion when you're building, when you're bolting on these, these products and systems onto a building, whether it's restoration or new construction. If we're in restoration side, we could say, hey, we have, you know, we have the balconies and we're doing this or that. But listen, we have drive it systems that we can put on the wall. So we're, we're you're kind of building that warranty, you're able to bolt on an EVE system that you might not have known where you can actually grow and provide a tested warranted system for your facade. Just like you said, I was thinking flat areas, but I didn't realize if I'm putting a new skin on my building while I'm at it, I can build an envelope with the facade system and the air barrier and the balconies all together on one package. And and you hand me a warranty that just says and it's all covered. Yeah, one you know one finger to point, one throat to choke, whatever you want to say, right? We we did it, but we designed it the way it's going to work. And you don't have one guy's stuff, and then how does that go to another guy's? And what do I do? Who goes first, right? That's always been the headache. Well, I I'm going to go first and let them tie into me. No, no, we got to go first. Then they can you know that that's always been one of my headaches. But if I told you I'm going to go first twice, that's the best way to do it, right? I'll I'll do that, and then I'll do that right afterwards. Let, let me handle all of it. People just like to hear that, right? That the same problem with the connections, and we're gonna we might come back to it three more times in this conversation. But if you can take the connection issue away and say, "Give me the connection, I'll handle it," then they go, "Fine, great." 
love it. You know, displaced liability is fantastic when you're trying to figure out headaches on a project, right? You can always finger point the obvious ones, but sometimes they're less obvious. But if I've already figured them out, then don't worry about it. You, you know, that's a big deal. In terms of what else? Five to 10 years down the road, I think new technologies, you know, if you go back 10 years, right, with where, where we are from 10 years, you know, you don't need to go back 20 years, but even if you went back 10 years, you, you're going to see that there's technologies from all different manufacturers for all types of applications. I think you're going to see from a, from a manufacturer standpoint, we're always looking for something that's easy to do that is uh, not going to cause us problems, right? So ease of application is one thing, but we'll get you off fast. So it's less of an issue around here unless we're talking about rain. But I, I think what we want to do in, in construction is, is elongate the construction season, right? So if you're in northern climates, you want to be able to do stuff in colder temperatures, but also shorten the construction schedule, which means make it go faster. So I don't have to, you know, I'm not waiting for you guys to finish something when we can get off a job quicker. I think that's the overall viewpoint, at least from Tremco's standard, right? How can we take just putting waterproofing or an air barrier system down and and eight months out of the year and make it 10 months? you know, or 12 months, whatever it is. That's important in the sense that we can come up with a way to make your job go faster by opening up the season. I think in South Florida specific, we've always seen headaches with damp concrete, you know, construction schedule is driven green concrete, but damp conditions where we're getting rain all the time, or even in below grade applications, we have our new below grade product Amphibia, right? Which is kind of a a pre-applied membrane for slabs that performs very, actually better than a bentonite, where, where it self-heals, self-steals, the overlaps, et cetera. But if it gets rained on, we're not the guys telling everybody, you know, the guys building on the rebar, et cetera. We're not those guys saying, well, you can't walk on it for, you know, 24 hours anymore, or you can't mess up the waterproofing. That type of product, I think, is going to be the, where we're going into the future, because one, it's fast for construction. You're not delaying people, but two, it allows for a better technology than what the past technologies of standard bentonites might be, right? It performs a little bit better and doesn't get disturbed in, in environments that are typical of being in a in a pit 20 feet below grade and a pump fails, or we get a massive rainstorm and we see what happens to those types of systems. But if we had a product like Amphibia where we don't have to worry about it, you basically hose it off and move forward. Well, now, now we're not ripping out, you know, 50 grand worth of material and having to replace it with, with new material that might just get rained on the next day anyway, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the headache uh, with that world. Those types of technologies, Puma, I know we've worked on a number of Puma jobs with your team, but Puma is a game changer for waterproofing, in my opinion. You can use one type of waterproofing, whether it be on a deck, under a pool, through a planter back and forth, monolithic the whole way. That technology is moving our industry to better places, but getting people done faster so that they can, one, use the manpower somewhere else, and two, you know, make more money somewhere else as well, not just use the manpower, which is going to be short. It, you know, technologies are going to be pretty cool moving forward. I'm sure it's cool when somebody comes and talks to you about a new product and you like to, you know, obviously we're some of us are skeptics at heart. I've always been the guy that's like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, or I, I want to see, I like to see it happen a couple of times first. It's always cool to hear what the next 
cool thing is, right, and why that's going to be better than what we've been doing in the past, specifically in technologies in our industry. Because we've seen some innovations over the years that are game changers to me, game changers, right? What we used to do, it's gone now compared to, you know, certain applications. The, the big one I remember was the 250GC, and I know this is so simple, but our elevator pits, right? We, the original green concrete waterproofing was bentonite. Right, you couldn't put a fluid applied on an elevator pit unless you waited, you know, 28 days. Well, when you told somebody, the you know, the architect has a fluid applied here, and you got to wait 28 days, they would scream at you, saying, "I don't have 28 days to wait for an elevator pit. I got to build my building," you know, and and so you, you saw bentonite there. But when 250GC came around, you said, "Oh, I got the fluid applied, and I can put it on," you know, right after you pull the forms, 24 hours, whatever it is. They, fantastic, do it. Go. That was that was the first game changer in the terms of the liquid applied green green concrete technology. Well, now every manufacturer has a green concrete product. All of them have moisture tolerance in their systems in in one way or another, and that is a that's a driver, right? These new technologies, I think, make the industry better. They push people to do better things, come up with better products and better ideas to to do what we do. And I think when we push our technologies better, it circles back for the I don't know, the third or fourth time of the conversation, we get a better building. When we have products that last longer and perform better and handle the elements better, then you get a better building because then hopefully GCI is not coming around going, well, why is this all messed up? Or what, what did we do here? And, oh, well, it got trashed. And, oh, that was where we had the big rain that day and we thought it was okay or whatever it is, right? We're able to provide a technology that can handle some of these worse conditions with worse designs or or, or lack of a design for that area, and we can give you the product that might perform long-term there, not just perform, right? That's right. the idea with newer right. technologies. Yep, and that is exciting and, and probably a good place for us to, to end it today on looking forward to those technologies and, and what's next, improving products and building performance, construction times, the whole thing. Well, I could talk to you about this stuff all day, JB, but they're telling me we got to <laughs> wrap it up. So I appreciate you coming in today. Lots of good stuff. Why don't you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you at Tremco if they need your expertise? Thank you again, Chris. I appreciate it. I know it's short notice. I got I got a nice vacation next week that I'm lining up. So I, thanks for taking this today. I had a great time. I really appreciate the invite. I'm Jeff Snyder. You can find, you know, Snyder at tremcoinc.com is my email, or you can go on the website and find your local rep wherever you are in, in the country. Everybody will be happy to hear that you listen to this podcast, and hopefully we, you know, we can discuss your building envelope issues down the road. And thanks again. I, I really do appreciate your team and, and your time as well. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to our podcast, and we invite you to take a further look at our GCI Consultant Services on our website at www.gciconsultants.com. You can also reach us at 877-740-9990 to discuss any of your building envelope needs. Thank you again, and I look forward to talking with you the next time on our Everything Building Envelope podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.